0: I'm Jen from New York. Hi, I'm Rich from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm Mario from Sacramento. The Sound of Young America is an independent production. Supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. On this week's show, Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black of the new Comedy Central series, Michael and Michael Have Issues. In the show, Michael and Michael play antagonistic versions of themselves putting together a sketch comedy series. In this clip, a co-worker comes into their shared office to let them know that tomorrow is the boss's birthday.
1: Maybe this year could also be the year you finally get him a gift.
2: We already got him a gift. Yeah, give us some credit, okay, Marla? What'd you get him? What'd we get him? Yeah, what'd you get him? Something ridiculously awesome and memorable.
3: Can you, like, go doodle a unicorn or something?
1: Don't you have something to go doodle between your legs? (laughs) Just be there at five.
2: What should we get Peter for his birthday?
3: Honestly, I didn't even know it was his birthday. Me neither. Hey, what about this? Coffee table book of antique cars.
2: Mike, what, what do you think? Jim's some, like, old man. But why why don't we go get him a colostomy bag? Because I
3: don't think a colostomy
2: bag's a very personal gift,
0: Michael. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests on the program, Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter, have a, a long and storied comedy history together. Uh... Having been founding members of the sketch comedy group The State, uh, which created a a cult favorite television program on uh, the Music Television Network, later performing together uh, in the Comedy Central series Stella and as Stand-Up Comics, now they have a brand new Comedy Central series called Michael and Michael Have Issues, which is airing Wednesday nights on Comedy Central. Uh, Gentlemen, welcome back to the San Diego Young America. It's great to have you on the show again. Great to be back. Good to be here. Um, you guys have known each other for a really long time now. In fact, since you were teenagers, yeah. Do you remember meeting each other? Do you remember what your first impressions of uh, of each other were?
3: Yes. Does that answer your question? Uh, Yes, I think both of us remember it pretty well. I mean, we may remember it slightly differently, but we were at NYU together, our freshman year. Showalter subsequently flunked out, but I I remained at NYU. And one of the first things we did individually was look for a comedy troupe to join. And we didn't know that each other was doing that. And we didn't know each other, although we grew up fairly close to each other. Michael's from Princeton, uh, New Jersey, and I'm from Hillsborough, New Jersey, which is about 20 miles away and is sort of like a ghetto version of Princeton.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so the guy who was starting the comedy group was a guy named Todd Hollebeck, and he had these sort of improvisational kind of get-to-know-you meetings. And I remember being struck by one of Michael Showalter's improvisations that he was doing with Kerry Kenny, who also ended up being in the state. They were laying on their back talking about, you know, how great it was to be young and alive. and um, and then the, And then Showalter said something like, you know, we should probably get off the supermarket floor or something like that. <laughs> and it sounds like a sort of small moment, but in a weird way, it was revelatory, and that was my first impression of him, and then, and then I felt like I wanted to befriend him because I found him very funny, and I think that night um, we kind of hung out with uh, another guy from the state, Joe Latruglio, uh, on the streets of New York and, and just sort of riffing and trying to make each other laugh, and that's, that's a comedian's currency. You know, you you try to make another comedian laugh, and that's that's how comedic friendships are born. A lot of times.
0: Uh, Michael Showalter, what what were your impressions of I, Michael? See, Ian I Black?
2: remember it a little differently. Um, my, the guy who lived across the hall from me in my freshman year dormitory was Joe Lotruglio. and I was in Arts and Sciences at NYU, and everyone else in the state was in the Tisch School of the Arts. And I had the same thing of wanting to be in a comedy group from having seen my, a comedy group at my sister. When I visited my sister in college, I saw an improv group and had the same thing, which was just that looks like fun. I'd like to do that. And then I wouldn't have known about the comedy group at NYU had it not been for Joe because the comedy group at NYU was in the Tisch School, which is very separate from the Arts and Sciences School. That comedy group was not the state. That comedy group was a pre-existing group that was holding an informal session for incoming freshmen and other students who wanted to be in this troupe to kind of tell us how great they were and how funny they were. (laughs) Basically, we were invited into a small theater and told for an hour and a half how great and funny this group was (laughs) and how hard it would be to get into their group. And that group was called the sterile yak. And for the very small amount of people that pay attention to this, it's the, the sterile yak is sort of like it,
3: intricately woven into the history of the state. Why are you putting down Jesse's show? You said for the very small people, small number of people who pay attention to this. I think a lot of people listen to his show. That's not what I meant, Mike. That's clearly how it came out. Am I right, I Jesse? Met... That's how it came out, right? Um, it you did You're Like feel... For the small number of people who pay attention to this, honestly... I meant for the small group of people that are
2: keenly interested in the history of the state, <laughs> they know who the sterile yak is, which is basically it was the kind of the better group. Um, my memory of it is is that after that session, which was at 721 Broadway, you, me, and Joe got to chatting. Mm-hmm. On the corner outside that deli. And then from that point forward, I, I, what I, and sort of my memory of it was, is that we sort of agreed amongst the three of us, A, that we thought the sterile yak was sort of bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> which to me was a, was a, was sort of like a breath of fresh air. Cause it was sort of like there was this aura around them, like they were, you know, the first season SNL cast or something, <laughs> and then uh, secondly, that we all agreed we'd audition for this new group
3: together. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, you might be right. I don't. I that might have been when that conversation took place, as opposed to when I, as I, when I remember it, which is after that one of those improv sessions. But, I, but, but the, but the gist of it is right that that really we became friends over that conversation.
0: Michael Showalter, what was Michael Ian Black like when he was uh, eighteen years old? Um,
2: very similar, very funny, very dry. I've always I've I've always said there's very few people I've, that I've ever met that really can crack me up and Mike's one of them. Ken Marino is another one, and all all of the funny people I know are funny. But but Mike has the ability to make me laugh. when he he uh, he was funny. He was a funny guy. He had a mullet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did not have a mullet. You <laughs> had a mullet.
2: And and he was wearing uh sort of like a like a red coat. Like a British, like a Revolutionary (laughs) War, British Invasion, which at that in the in the 80s, which is when this one that was sort of like military secondhand military garb
3: was sort of all the rage. Well, there was a my memory of it was that or in hindsight, like I wanted to be a punk rocker. Right. But there was no real there was no real alternative scene back then in the same way that there is now. So my inspiration was Ducky. Yes. From Pretty in Pink. Yes. <laughs> that was about as edgy as I got. It was ducky. And Showalter was a
0: preppy. I was, I was Blaine. <laughs> it's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. Their new show on Comedy Central is Michael and Michael Have Issues. Both were also cast members of the influential 1990s comedy group The State. Here's a clip of Showalter on The State playing one of the show's recurring characters, Doug, the discontented teenager, after his dad has found some condoms in his room.
1: Doug, I found these in your drawer. What are they, son? They're profos. (laughs) I know that, Doug. Why do you have them? They're for my penis, Dad. I stick them on my dinkus when I want to have sex. Forget it. You wouldn't understand. I'm out of here. No, no, Doug, Doug, Doug. Doug, I'm proud of you for protecting yourself. I just think we should talk, that's all. Oh, yeah? And then what, Dad? What are you going to do, send me up to my room and take away my music? I'm Doug, and I can't be locked in a cage like some sort of animal. Forget it. I'm out of here. No, no, Doug, Doug, Doug. I was going to suggest that you invite Karen back to the house tonight so your mother and
3: I don't have to worry about where you are.
1: Oh, yeah, sure, Dad. Like, that's the easy solution that's going to bridge the generation gap between you and me. I'm Doug, and I'm not going to stop having sex in the parking lot behind the supermarket just because you said I could do it in my own bed. (laughs) Forget it. I'm out of here.
0: You guys were um, professionals at being in the state by the time you were, like, 22 years old. Yeah. Um, Do you think you had a handle on the significance of that as it was happening?
3: I was very aware that we were very young to be doing this. Um, But at the same time, I felt like we were ready to be professional because we'd been we'd been comporting ourselves as professionals in college. We'd been taking this work. Way more seriously than we took our schoolwork or anything else in our lives. So by the time, even though we were on, only 22, 23 years old when we got our own television show, we'd already been doing this group for four years and had been taking it way more seriously than than any college sketch group should be taking their college sketch group.
2: But I also think we, we to a very large degree, took it for granted. Let, like, you know as we are on the brink of trying to get a tv show on the air and to succeed i think we uh we were sort of like yeah well of course we have a tv show <laughs> <laughs> of course we have our own tv show that's doing pretty well yeah like why what why wouldn't we well there's no question that we were you know arrogant little pricks and, you know also there really weren't as many sketch groups as there are now when when we were uh, when we were a sketch group the ucb did not exist Um, and so there weren't a million and the internet didn't exist in terms of making videos and stuff. So the whole idea of a sketch group, there really weren't very many.
0: After the state ended, the state ended with a sort of, um, a whimper, whimper, possibly a, a sort of a tragic overreach. Uh, you guys made a move with some assurances from CBS to network that petered out, unfortunately. Was it difficult to adjust to being uh, a former successful television star? It, it was, well, first of all, it, it was actually,
2: it was ABC, not CBS, which is to say the big move was going to be to ABC. And they were going to, they, there had been promises of that we were going to go up against SNL on Saturday nights on ABC. And we were toasted by the entire William Morris agency in the basement of some fancy restaurant. I'm not sure what it was, but it was like right out of a movie. Like we, we opened the door and there were like a hundred guys in suits with their glasses raised and that fell through. And then CBS, and that's really was what we were, that it was really this ABC thing that was why we left MTV. And then CBS kind of came in at the last minute with a kind of an alternative, alternate offer but the real the the real it was it was it the sort of the ship had started sinking already before we even got to CBS
3: you know the state was going to self immolate anyway the state was in a it was in a process of spontaneously combusting by the time we left MTV um as i think you know maybe we all kind of suspected it might it, it's very hard to keep 11 people all on the same page at the same time when there's nobody in charge. Um, the, the the spirit of it was always ensemble and it was very hard to keep an ensemble together uh, for many, many reasons. So had we stayed at MTV, which we obviously should have done, we probably would have done one, two, maybe three more seasons. Uh, but we might have started losing people. I mean, it was, it was, I, I know that I was miserable um, towards the end of it. And I think other people were too, because it was just hard. It was just, it was just a ton of hard work. And it was never personal in the sense that I, I, I'm speaking for myself. I was I was never upset at anybody in particular, but just the whole. Would you say that there were too many cooks? That's a great way to put it. I would say there were too many. cooks. Would you say that too many cooks? Spoil the broth. I would say the broth was not to my liking. At a certain point,
0: <laughs> um, after this thing falls apart, and you're still only twenty three, twenty four years old, all very young in show business terms, um, or, and in
3: human terms,
0: yeah, absolutely. What um, well, it depends on in what era you're living in, right? The current um, era yeah uh what do you think has uh kept you together so so tightly well there were a
3: number of things i think first and foremost is that the state was as much about friendship as it was about the work the two were so intertwined you know we we were friends before we were professionals and those friendships didn't dissolve with the state we we all continued to love each other and, and to the state continued to to love each other um in terms of show Walter and David and myself working together, a lot of it is a function of geography, because over the years, so many people have moved to Los Angeles for work, um, and we haven't. We've sort of been the East Coasters, and as a, largely as a result of that, as much as, as much as, uh, as our friendship, we've you know chosen to work together.
0: The last time you guys were on the show, I, I think, was um, when you were just about to head out on national tour with uh, your uh, nightclub act, then nightclub act, later television show, Stella, which was uh, the two of you plus uh, David Wayne. Um, it, it felt like uh, I, I remember talking to you guys uh, about it then, and it felt like um, doing that act, which was the three of you in suits on stage um acting in just very, very silly. It was a very, very silly operation. Um, it, it felt like that was almost like a, a rediscovery of what was fun about comedy, rediscovering that there was this community of people who, who liked that kind of ridiculous, silly stuff. Am I remembering that right? Is, is that how it felt when you, when you started doing Stella as a group on stage? I mean,
2: the one thing that you're making me think about that I I can say was um, that being in the state, and I think everyone in the group would would say this, was very um, incredibly competitive, strict, critical, dog-eat-dog environment. It was a sort of like you had to swim fast or you'd get eaten alive kind of thing. Stella felt much more like you could be yourself and you wouldn't get – your head bitten off. So there was a freedom there to kind of not have to constantly be afraid that your jokes weren't funny or that your ideas weren't funny. There was was definitely a lot more of like, sure, sure, whatever. (laughs) Sure, let's try that going on. And that was not so much the case with the state. That's going all the way back to the beginning. So on that level, it did feel good. It felt good to not have to feel like you always had to prove yourself or anything, like you
0: could kind of just be yourself. Here's a quick scene from Stella with both the Michaels and David Wayne on their way to the amusement park in full suits. David also has a fanny pack.
3: Hey, you guys, if we leave right now, we can get there just as the park is opening. Wait, 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 wait. Do you guys think I'm dressed appropriately for the amusement park? Well, Mike, I do notice one glaring omission. Fanny pack. I think fanny packs look dumb. Oh, excuse me. Do I look dumb? I do think you look dumb, David. You look like a dumb dodo you bird. You look like a dumb dodo bird. You look like, like a dumb, dumb ass dumb dodo, dodo, bird. dodo. You look like a dumb your dodo. Because you're because a dumb flightless dodo, dodo bird. bird. Hey, you
2: guys stop fighting. We promised we wouldn't fight today, didn't we?
3: Yes, we did, and I apologize.
2: Now come on. We have a date today with a lady named Fun.
3: She's a Korean lady. Fun is a popular name, Korean. Let's go, guys. Let's have the best day of our lives.
0: The two of you guys, after uh, Stella ended its uh, short run on Comedy Central, both seem to have decided to pick up a new challenge and try stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. um, which you hadn't done to that point. And it's certainly unusual um, for someone so successful in comedy to to try stand-up comedy for the first time and, and uh, uh, unusual just in, in general to try stand-up comedy for the first time in your 30s. What was it? I guess we can start with you, Michael Ian Black. What was it that made you uh, that made you want to try solo performance? Well, I
3: had always admired stand up comedians and always felt like it's an. I felt I feel like it's an underappreciated art form, and that it's maybe the most impressive art form because it's so naked and so vulnerable. And when it's done well, it can really transport you and be funny and touching and 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 all the things that, that any other art form can be, but you're doing it by yourself with a microphone. And I'd always admired that and always wanted to do it. But what I didn't want to do was pay my dues <laughs> in the way that comedians have to pay their dues, where they have to go to open mic nights and be in front of three drunk guys, you know, at two in the morning. I didn't want to do that. And my plan was always to get successful enough in this business that I could show up somewhere and do stand-up comedy and have people be there. And I think literally the first time I ever did a stand-up show was after these VH1 shows that I'm on started airing and I got a call from the University of Iowa or something asking me to do an hour, and I'd never done it before. And um, that first time I showed up with an hour of material that I hadn't really performed in front of 1,700 people. And it was it was very much a trial by fire. <laughs> the beach is the worst, you guys. Cause honest to God, I have the body of a 12-year-old girl <laughs> who is just starting to grow breasts. So I'm self-conscious about my body, you know, so I wear I'm the guy who wears the t-shirt on the beach, you know? I'm t-shirt wearing guy on the beach. But I'm self-conscious about the fact that I'm wearing a, a t-shirt, so I lie about it. You know, my friends will be like, hey what well, check off your shirt, it's 102 degrees. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually cold. Can you believe that? You see these goosebumps? I'm cool. Show, sure, maybe you agree with this or not, but when, you, when you're when you so used to working in collaboration and you're able to just get out on a stage by yourself with a microphone, that level of freedom is really, really liberating.
0: I agree. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Was that, was that feeling also what, what got you into doing stand-up comedy? No, no.
2: For me, it was that I had uh, basically spent, I don't know how long it was, three years or something doing The Baxter and then immediately following The Baxter doing Stella.
0: The Baxter was a feature film that you uh, wrote and starred in and directed. Correct.
2: And was, I think, at a point of just feeling like I give up a little bit. Just not ready to take on a big project again, and so was sort of th- thinking, well, this would just this would be a nice thing to do to just kind of travel and try this and and develop that. You know, just just kind of get in front of an audience and and talk. It was less to me, always less stand up. I never really felt like I was doing stand up per se.
3: You're a lot like Henry Rollins in that respect.
2: Yes, Henry Rollins <laughs> or Mort Saul, as I like to say.
3: Right, you're sort of the perfect medium between Mort Saul and Henry Rollins. Exactly. You're that midpoint that people have been looking for for so many exactly. years. Exactly.
0: You had, I would say, Henry Rollins' physique and Mort Saul's newspaper <laughs> yeah. under the arm.
2: I live here in Brooklyn, and I was uh, out on the street uh, minding my owns. That means minding your own business. Smoking a ciggy poo Cigarette I use slang I use street slang So anyway I was standing on the street corner Minding my own, Smoking a ciggy poo And a young man 20 something uh, Walked by me Seemed to recognize me And he stops and he says Hey uh, You're an actor Don't I know you? And because it was a guy I said no And I just went back To smoking my cigarette But I could feel him kind of lingering and he's like trying to figure out where he knows me from and he goes, no, 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 I know you. You were on that TV show in the late 80s. And I'm thinking he's probably talking about the state, which was the mid 90s. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm I'm feeling kind of good about myself so I'm reaching for a pen to maybe sign an autograph for him or something like that. And he goes, you're Screech. I swear to God. Is a true story. I'm like, you fucking dick. I would have preferred that you called me anyone else in the world besides Screech. He thought that I was one of the most
0: iconic losers ever of all time. Do you know how badly that hurts? It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black. Their new Comedy Central series is Michael and Michael Have Issues. We'll have more with Michael and Michael when we come back on The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Production
3: of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.
0: Maximum Fun is Eastward Bound. We'll be in Philadelphia and New York City in September, so if you live in either of those places or somewhere nearby, get your rear ready for some entertainment. September 16th and 17th, will be in Philadelphia with the Sound of Young America Live and the Monsters of Podcasting, respectively, at the Adrian Theater as part of the Philly Fringe. September 18th and 19th will be in New York City with The Sound of Young America live at WNYC's Jerome Green Performance Space and the Monsters of Podcasting at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City. You can find out more information, including ticket info, on our website at MaximumFun.org. Just look at the live shows links on the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. It's the Sound of Young America. My guests are Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. Their new show on Comedy Central is called Michael and Michael Have Issues. Here, Michael Ian Black is doing some very serious work. Overdubbing farts for a butterfly video.
2: Okay, stop. 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 We got it. No, we got Jim, it. we didn't get it.
0: Jim, we didn't get it. What,
2: what is it this time, Mike? Mike, um, can you just give me one where you actually fart like a butterfly would fart? Well, how do you think a butterfly would fart? I don't know, Mike. You're the butterfly expert. You tell me.
3: I never said I was a butterfly expert. I said I liked butterflies. Two different things. We're gonna. This will be the one, okay? This is it. Why don't you just tell me how you think I should do it, Mike, and that's how I'll do it, okay? Okay. Uh, I don't know. I
2: think it would be like, um... I don't know. My name is Michael Black. My name is Michael Black.
3: Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Randy? Hey, farting butterflies. One of the odd things about the comedy world is, is that there are only a couple of uh, comedy television outlets. Um, you're circling back to Comedy Central, a, a network that um, uh, carried the brief run of Stella just a few years ago. Um, was it hard to uh, Was it hard to pitch a new TV show idea? that was uh, different enough to get somebody to buy it for the same network where your show didn't quite work uh, commercially, you know, two years previously?
3: Well, our relationships at Comedy Central remain strong, even though Stella tanked. And that is because I think everybody from the three of us in Stella... And on the network side, actually thought the product was really good and that the quality of it was very high and that we had delivered exactly what we said we were going to deliver. It just so happened that it was a show that nobody wanted to watch, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is unfortunate, but true. So those relationships were still intact and Comedy Central sort of still felt like
0: our home on television. You guys are such sweet uh, smart guys and the whole premise of your show is that the two of you sort of silently uh, fulminate against each other <laughs> um, sharing an office and uh, you know trying to undercut each other is the through line of every one every episode of your show um, where did you come up with uh, where did you come up with that premise
2: I think we knew two things one that we wanted to do sketches again like from back from the day of, of silly costumes and playing characters, just straight sketch. And then we also wanted to continue along the vein of, in a sense, some of what we had come up with in our in our stand-up, which is sort of ourselves as the um, protagonist, comedically, ourselves in our own lives, and that we would be doing it together. And so it, we sort of, we talked about a bunch of different ideas and then sort of It it came down to the obvious, which is what Michael and Michael Have Issues was. But along the way, it was going to be a radio show and it was going to be like a PBS sort of like human interest story show. And it was going to be all these different shows. And then the more we talked about it, the more we realized it should be us making the show that we would be making if we were only making a sketch show.
0: Both of you guys are, do all these uh, different types of comedy, from the sketch work that you've done for so long, to the stand-up work that we talked about, to playing a, a, a bizarre version of yourselves in Stella, to um, Michael Ian Black. You're, as you mentioned, well known for appearing in, um, you know, those VH1 clips shows and and making uh, uh, jabs and, and barbs on the topic of uh, popular culture. Um, now you're playing a, a yet another version of yourselves. Um, is it strange to be spinning, like, so many different slight variations on the real you? Well,
3: you no. Know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, yeah, it sounds like a weird thing to do. <laughs> but when you're doing it, no. I mean, it all kind of feels like smaller pieces of a whole it doesn't you know it, it's not it's not like you know i feel like i have to keep personas straight in my mind um i think in a weird way too
2: one thing that we we on the state that we started doing pretty early on was sort of trying to cut out this the the setup to something as short as it could possibly be so that you wouldn't spend more than a couple of sentences at the beginning of a sketch setting up the sketch that in a way That's what this is, which is which is at the end of the day, it's basically just us anyway. So I remember with Stella, it was sort of like their their names are our names almost just because why would we call them someone else's name? It doesn't really (laughs) change the joke at all to do that. So in a sense, it was just sort of like, well, unless it's really not if it's in any way like me, might as well just cut to the chase and say it's me.
0: Well guys, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on the sound of young America. It was it was great to have you back. You have a terrific radio show and it's fun for us to be on it. Oh, thanks. Michael Ian Black and Michael show Walter uh, are the stars of Michael and Michael Have Issues which airs Wednesday nights on Comedy Central.
3: And please say hi to the other people from this state because we no longer speak to them.
0: Okay, well That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart, the show produced by Speaking Into Microphone. Our music is provided by Dan Wally. The show is edited by Nick White, our intern, John Kim. Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black were recorded at the studios of the Radio Foundation in New York City with engineer Robert Ald. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and you can always email me if you have thoughts about the show at Jesse at MaximumFun.org. And guess what? Over at Forum.MaximumFun.org, there's a whole bunch of friendly people talking about all different kinds of stuff, and you should go join them because they're, you know, they're friendly people. They'll have a good time. It's my opinion anyway. Okay, we'll see you next time right here on the Sound of Young America.